visit the Downtown Den, join us through our website, all the W's, downtowninbusiness.com. Stay in, stay safe, visit the Downtown Den. Good afternoon, I'm Paul Cadman. I am the Chairman of Downtown in Business Birmingham. I'd like to welcome Councillor Ian Ward, who's the leader of Birmingham City Council, to the Brummy Den. Notable that his 25-year service to the Council is going to take place this year. Whether there's going to be much of a celebration, I don't know, but it's probably worth raising a glass to him privately, thanking him for his years of service. The second thing that I want to raise is uh, he's a blue nose, so he's a Brummy supporter. So we may have lost half the city, but he's certainly fine and good with me. So welcome, Councillor Ward, to the den. If you can just give you a few moments just to give us a bit of an update of what your activity is like over the last sort of few weeks, few months, maybe that, that would be a good start for us. Thank you. Thanks very much. And it's a pleasure to be here in the uh, den. Um, over the last few weeks, it's obviously been a very busy time, a busy time for the City Council, a busy time for the City as a whole, as we've gone into uh, a lockdown over the current uh, uh, COVID virus uh, crisis. I have to say that uh, the City's coping particularly well at the moment. Uh, frontline staff working for the City Council in particular have done an excellent job. Um, they're really having keeping everything going and ensuring that we've been able to deal with those that have needed support most through this uh, through this period of time. Uh, volunteers across the city as well have really come to the fore, ensuring that people who uh, are needing to self-isolate themselves and can't go out at all have been receiving the food that they need and support that they need across the city. So it's really been a time when we've seen the best, the very best of the people of Birmingham all pulling together to ensure that uh, the city continues to uh, to thrive as best as it can during this very, very difficult time. And I must pay tribute in particular to uh, care workers across the city who tend to be um, the one bit of the emergency service that gets the least recognition. And of course, um, the bin men who've carried on emptying everybody's bins across this city in what's been very, very difficult circumstances. So all of those working on the front line have really done a great job. And uh, for me, sat here at home having to um, conduct meetings remotely, I've really been at the, the easy end of this compared with those on the front line. I, I pay tribute to each and every one of them. I think from my perspective, we've got the three emergency services now. We've got the NHS, maybe as the fourth emergency service, and the care workers and everybody else all the support services, so we've probably got five emergency services. I think what's interesting is our mindset towards working for home and actually now looking at people. I've been to the supermarket last week, went out to the visit at the supermarket. I'm looking at the cashiers, appreciating them previously, but actually look at them in a whole different light. It's people like that that are really pulling the city together. And I pick up on your view about the brummy mindset, you know, that we're rolling our sleeves up and we're just looking to help each other. We're getting on with things. So on the line of that, the, the, the support, the governmental support that's come through, that's been distributed to businesses through Birmingham City Council. I've looked on the website a number of times. We were a day or two late, but I think our allocation of funds and things like that from central government was late. And I'll, I'll, you know, I'll ask you to comment on that. But it seems as clear as day. The reports we're getting is that, that businesses are getting the support What's your views on that? 
Well, it's great to hear that uh, the feedback from businesses is that they are getting the support. We've certainly, um, through this week, been uh, ramping up the number of uh, businesses we've been dealing with. Uh, we anticipate by the end of this week, we'll be up to dealing with six to 700 different businesses each and every day. We've already okay. distributed well over 11 million pounds out to businesses that need it. But I have to say the government um, funding, the government grants do not comprehensively cover all of businesses or indeed all of SMEs. The, the numbers in Birmingham are quite stark. Um, some 99.5% of our businesses are SMEs and somewhere between yeah. 60 to 70% of those do not qualify for the current government grants. So along with other core cities uh, across the country, we've written to the government asking them to look again at that situation and broaden the scheme of grants so that more of our businesses uh, across Birmingham and the wider West Midlands will qualify. I know that those businesses that don't quali currently qualify are uh, struggling and they are in desperate need of ensuring they do get some government support. So we are on their side. We're lobbying the government on that and we'll continue to lobby the government until we get the uh, the grants and the support that uh, businesses across Birmingham need. We're potentially victims of our own success here because we're the youngest city in Europe. We've got more entrepreneurs, more startup businesses, you know, more incubator hubs and things like that than any other city within Europe. So potentially we've got a lot of people and you, you quite rightly pointed out 99% of businesses at SMEs, they're going to be struggling. So going forward with you, the local council, Birmingham Council lobbying government, that's excellent. If there's anything we can do to get a message out there and things like that, I'm not saying a petition might be worthwhile, but it's something that we consider. Please do reach out to us and see what we can do from there. Now, the, the next step that we're looking at is that the COVID, what's the mindset towards the council, towards it opening premises, giving leave towards businesses and things like that to start functioning again? Well, we've, um, we've certainly uh, been talking to businesses um, about um, business rate uh, relief and what we can do in that particular area to assist. But I think looking, looking forward to the future now, um, I think the council's got to play a, an enabling role in order yep. that the economy can recover and businesses can uh, come back to life and start to trade again. And yep. uh, the more that we can do to assist that, the better. Um, I was reading in the local government chronicle just earlier today that uh, the wider Midlands are likely to be the worst hit economically uh, through great. this period. So I think for, for us here in Birmingham and looking uh, across the wider West Midlands, the more that the council can do to ensure that businesses can come back to life and start to trade again and become uh, healthy, thriving businesses again, the better. I know that we're particularly concerned about um, small businesses outside of the city centre and how they might um, come uh, back into being in, in, in the future uh, across the next uh, few months. Uh, and we're looking to see what we can do in terms of support to ensure that as many of the businesses and indeed people who work for those businesses can get back to work as quickly as possible. I was talking, I mean, if we use specific examples, and I don't expect you to comment on a specific examples, but I was talking to Tim Andrews, who we both know, you know, the chairman and founder of Love Brom. His company, Hollywood Monster, they employ 70 people. And because of the size of the premises, he's not entitled to any rate relief or any business support. So there's a, that, catchment, that catchment area that you mentioned sits there. 
So would the council consider looking maybe at a case-by-case basis? That is exactly the stance we've taken. So any business um, that's, that is struggling and doesn't qualify for the grants, we encourage them to get in contact with the local authority uh, and uh, we'll consider your case, as you've said, on a case-by-case basis. We're also, uh, as I've said, lobbying government for businesses that fall into this category of not receiving grants. Um, and we, we are determined that uh, we will give whatever support we can, in spite of the fact that the government currently seems to be backpedalling a little bit. They provided £1.6 billion nationally uh, in order for local authorities to uh, spend the money that's needed to be spent getting us through this particular crisis. That for Birmingham amounted to £38.7 million, but I have to say we've, we've already spent uh, well over 100 million in a combination of money going out and lost income. Um, so we will now be very seriously lobbying the government about the need to provide more funding. Otherwise, what we're going to see is um, Section 114 notices issued uh, to local authorities. What they are, that's a technical phrase, but what they are essentially is a notice declaring a local authority bankrupt. We yeah. obviously cannot have a situation where local yeah. authorities up and down the country are going bankrupt. So we do need the government to realistically look again at the amount of financial support they are providing. Uh, you know, that, that well-worn phrase now, we're all in this together. Well, let's prove we're all in this together. This has got to be a public-private sector recovery here. We can't be leaving anyone behind. Let's step forward. Let's look at the council. What's going to happen to the council? We've got a new CEO starting. Or, you know, Chris is coming on board, Chris Naylor's coming on board. Um, Well-respected, experienced guy and things like that. And I, I know that you were instrumental in, in looking for the CEOs. You didn't rush into that. You went around the city, you know, pretty much Europe, trying to find the right person to come in. You know, what's, why Chris? What's his background? What was so appealing to you? Uh, we moved very quickly to uh, assess what was out there in, in the market. Um, and through the LGA, we approached Chris, uh, and I'm delighted to say that he, he, he came forward. We interviewed him for the uh, role of interim chief executive. He accepted that uh, appointment. He'll start a uh, week beginning the 18th of May for a period up to 12 months. And I do think we've probably recruited the, um, the foremost chief executive in local government to come and help us at what is the, one of the most difficult times for local government across the country. He's certainly going to walk in and have his hands full, that's for certain, but he would have had that at, uh, when he's going to the parking in Dagenham anyway. He seems to be a bit of a specialist at getting profile and making councils, raising a profile of councils and things like that. I think that was fairly strategic that we do that. The profile of, of Birmingham Council is pretty good across Europe and things like that. But you're looking at some of the things that you've done, so putting in the Commonwealth Games to the city, looking at some sporting events, looking at the art and the culture and things like that. You seem to be an award-winning leader or have that mindset of putting Birmingham on the, the global map for that. And I think Chris is going to come on board and sort of with that mindset and enhance that as well. So let's be looking at some awards. So City of Culture, you know, the, the, the city, uh, the chosen city and everything else like that. I don't know what your thoughts are around that. Uh, well, I think um, Chris has uh, a formidable reputation for being an innovator, uh, and we are the city of innovation, the city of a, a thousand trades. Uh, so I think he'll fit in very well here in Birmingham. 
And uh, I still have huge ambitions for the city going forward. Uh, certainly um, winning the big toast at the Commonwealth Games um, was a fantastic step forward in a period of ongoing austerity at the time when we won the bid. And I know that that raised eyebrows uh, around the country about how could we deliver such a huge um, international event, third largest uh, mass uh, multi-sport event in the world. How can we deliver that after uh, nine or ten years of austerity? But it's moved up a notch or two now because we're having to deliver the games uh, on the same time frame by 2022, uh, whilst having to also cope with uh, the current uh, COVID crisis. And who knows um, uh, whether there'll be a second uh, second wave of that? Hopefully not. But um, you know, a lot of the medical experts are saying that may well happen, but we will continue to ensure we do deliver the games in spite of, of what happens around the COVID-19 virus. And going, look, just looking beyond 2022, we won't be finished there. We will be looking to, to transform the City Council into an award-winning council. Uh, Chris Naylor has twice won uh, Best Council yep. Award with Barking and Dagenham. We'll be looking to him to put the basics in place so that Birmingham uh, can, can emulate that uh, kind of success. And we will be looking for other opportunities for this city to play on the international stage. So Commonwealth Games will not be the last thing that Birmingham bids for and will not be the last uh, major uh, event or major uh, conference that Birmingham stages in the future. I think if we look at uh, the team that's been assembled, you know, with John Crabtree chairing the Games and then we've got Ian Reid coming in. Ian's a uh, constant... Uh, he constantly appears in downtown for us. James Walsh, who's had, had a legacy, you know, I, I, uh, I was on a board of a charity that worked at Steps to Work in a Black Country. His mindset to the legacy, he's from the region, he wants to stay in the region. Very charitable, sort of minded, infinitely, you know, skilled and experienced team that's there. Their legacy points of not just the, you know, the, the venues, not just changing the city over the short term, but they're on exactly the same page as you. They've got a legacy strategy that sort of reaches 20 years and things like that. Looking at the games, I was slightly concerned that the uh, Olympic Games have been pushed back and everything comes in time. So it's two years later the Commonwealth Games comes in. I'm, I'm relieved to see that the, I think it's the, the World Athletics is taking place about a week or so before the Commonwealth Games. But we're holding the date for the Commonwealth Games. I imagine if it did slip, though, it wouldn't be a major disaster for us. We'd have a little bit more time to get some building work done, maybe do a little bit more work around infrastructure. But as long as we don't lose it, and certainly that's not going to take place, that'll be good. Are we, are we getting enough support from government for the, the Commonwealth Games? Well, first of all, on the international sporting calendar, because um, that sporting calendar is a very, very crowded calendar. And with yep. the Olympic Games going back 12 months, that did uh, push the world, not only the World Athletics Championship back a year, but also the World Swimming Championships. They're both going into 2022. So there's been a lot of talks going on with um, both FINA and World Athletics about how the Commonwealth Games still fits in amongst what is now a very crowded 2022. So... We may not see now the uh, Commonwealth Games slip by a week uh, in order that we don't coincide with World Athletics. Um, yeah. But we are now confident that we, uh, we've got a window within uh, 2022, which is likely to see now athletes competing in the World Championships uh, and then coming directly from the World Championships into the Commonwealth Games here in Birmingham, um, which should give us a, a raised profile for, for our event. 
As far as the government's concerned, um, I've always uh, been of the view that 11 days of international sport in Birmingham will be a tremendous, um, a tremendous yep. period of, of, of time and tremendous 11 days. Uh, but it's the legacy that we get from the games that's more yep. important. Uh, and our, uh, uh, in a meeting I had with the, um, both the OC and the government just a few weeks ago, I'm delighted to say that um, government, both uh, civil servants and uh, the government minister, the minister for sport, confirmed that the government will stand right behind continuing to deliver the legacy for the city of Birmingham, because it's that uh, that will transform the lives of people growing up in the city at the moment and will also give us the opportunity to go on to stage other uh, international and national events in the future. And that's very much my ambition, that the Commonwealth Games is not seen as the end of this for Birmingham, but a stepping stone onto greater things for the future. And that people in this city will look back on the Commonwealth Games and say, that was the moment that changed Birmingham for the better. I'm pleased to see that uh, all the canals and waterways are going to be cleaned up. A part of the Commonwealth Games is an initiative to do that with the canals and river trusts to clean up all that. We've got in the region... And I'm going to use our famous quote, more waterways than Venice. But coming back into that, we estimate that there's 22 miles canals and walkways. They're all going to be cleaned up. So you'll be able to go from the mailbox all the way down to Alexander Stadium, walking, walking along the canals and walkways. The legacy of the games with all of these canals and waterways being cleaned up would be fantastic. That's routes in and out of the city for us. But if you can just look and focus on the infrastructure and things like that, Andy Street's talking... A 1.3 billion pound investment on transport infrastructure and things like that and clearly that's key to doing everything else like that you know we're looking at emissions controls what's interesting and if we can take some positive out of the covid is that you know you look around the world now and then in india you see the himalayas for the first time in 30 40 years i genuinely think that the air across the city and i know that you're an avid supporter of the clean air zone and things like that has become cleaner. Now, I think that's exactly where we need to be. Well, uh, of course, off the back of the games, we are getting huge uh, investment in infrastructure. Canals being cleaned up and opened up more, even more to walking and cycling is a, is a good thing. But also the delivery of uh, public transport improvements, uh, two uh, bus rapid transit routes, one on the A34 and the other on the A45, will be in situ by the time of the games will begin the construction out of the metro, out to the airport for post-games, uh, and we'll see more bus rapid transit routes coming in. And the reason I think that investment in public transport is important is I've been saying for a number of years now, we're all going to have to accept that the way we move around in this city in the future has to change, and it has to change both to clean up our, uh, our air and to ensure that we are reducing our CO2 emissions into the future. So we're going to have to accept that there'll be less moving around in private cars, more moving around on public transport. And so that investment in public transport is really, really important. And I do think that if you um, look at what, the, what has happened over the last few weeks, you can physically see the difference in air yep. quality in this city. If you look up at the sky of an evening, uh, the, the, it's much more transparent now to see the moon and the stars. Venus has been visible in the night sky now for the past couple of weeks, uh, and that's been easy to see. So you can see the real difference in the quality of air in this city as a result of less movement by private cars, and that's where we need to be in the future. So we'll need to be investing more in public transport. The clean air zone 
is probably now going to be delayed to the beginning of 2021 uh, as a result of this crisis. But uh, needless to say, it, it, it's pr been proven now that we do need to bring that in in order to maintain the uh, quality of air that we have in the city at the moment. Uh, and we will be pushing for more and more investment in public transport in the future, both bus traffic transit and metro lines, in order that we get people out of the private car and onto public transport. We don't do that on the trajectory we were on Prior to this crisis hitting, we would have gridlocked the city at some point in the next decade. So it's important that we do make these changes. And I think, actually, uh, we've seen people coping with home working uh, over the last uh, three weeks yeah. uh, during the lockdown. Uh, and I think we'll begin to see uh, an acceptance that more people can, in fact, work from home in the future and there'll be less traffic on our roads anyway. No, I think that's right. Just uh, the last couple of minutes, so um, I'll give you a couple of minutes just to wrap up if you've got any specific messages for the residents of Birmingham downtown in, in business members or not. This is going to go out, that's why. That's great. And then I'll just finish off with a couple of comments. Well, I think my message to both uh, businesses and to everybody employed by uh, businesses in this city is, is one that we will be standing side by side with business and uh, with uh, employees looking to the future to ensure we get people back to work as quickly as we can and we ensure that we do have business continuity going forward. What we don't want to see are huge numbers of bankruptcies as a result of the shutdown that we've had over the last few weeks. So the City Council will be a friend and ally to business in this city and we will be looking to work very, very closely with the Chamber of Commerce, other business uh, representative groups and businesses themselves to ensure that we do get this city back on its feet and working again as quickly as we possibly can. Excellent. It just leaves me to thank you very much, uh, Councillor Ward, for your time. I know how busy you are and appreciate you taking out 30 minutes of your time today. Um, I'm Paul Cadman, Chairman of Downtown in Business, and final thank you again to Ian Ward. Thank you. Thank you very much.